Welcome to The Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And we're going to start with Yuan, who has an update on a matter involving the Contract Disputes Act. Thanks, Peter. On August 22nd, the Federal Circuit held that the requirement to state a sum certain in a claim submitted under the Contract Disputes Act is not a jurisdictional requirement. The court based its decision on recent guidance from the Supreme Court to, open quote, treat a procedural requirement as jurisdictional only if Congress clearly states that it is, end quote. It analyzed the language of the CDA and found that Congress never used the words some certain, which demonstrates that Congress did not intend the requirement to be jurisdictional. Here's some more background. The underlying contract at issue was awarded in 2010 to ECC International Constructors LLC by the Army Corps of Engineers to design and build a military compound in Afghanistan. In 2014, ECCI filed a claim seeking compensation for construction delays allegedly caused or attributable to the government. After more than six years of litigation, including a hearing and efforts to negotiate and then engage in ADR, the Army Corps of Engineers raised a jurisdictional issue at the ASBCA by filing a motion to dismiss. In the post-hearing motion to dismiss, the government argued for the first time that ECCI's claim had two distinct delay claims. And because each delay claim came with their own sets of operative facts that did not state their own sum certain, the board lacked jurisdiction. The board ultimately agreed with the government and dismissed the contractor's entire claim on the basis that each category of delay claim required a separate sum certain. After dismissal, the contractor appealed the decision as the six-year statute of limitations period had likely run, and on appeal, the Federal Circuit raised sua sponte whether the requirement for a sum certain in the FAR is a jurisdictional requirement under recent Supreme Court precedent. And indeed, the Federal Circuit found that its absence from the CDA's language meant the requirement was not jurisdictional. But even though the sum certain requirement is no longer considered a jurisdictional issue, the court warned in its opinion that it continues to be a matter for the board to explore on the merits. So a really interesting decision there. Peter, back to you. Great. Thank you so much. We have another um, Armed Services Board case. This one relates to COVID-19 delays and claims. So on August 8th, the ASBCA issued a decision granting a military contractor's additional costs stemming from COVID-19-related delays under a fixed-price task order. So I'm going to give you a little background. On July 14th, 2017, the Army Corps awarded a task order to perform design and alteration services for existing medical facilities at Travis Air Force Base. In relevant part, the task order required the contractor to provide temporary medical facilities for the government to use while the work was being performed. The task order included a specific contract line item to pay for rental facilities. Due to the pandemic, the government designated the task order as non-mission essential. The company could not continue on-site construction until they were notified 44 days later. While the company's access to the facilities was suspended, the government continued to use those temporary facilities provided by the contractor. 
The company later submitted a claim seeking reimbursement of additional out-of-pocket rental costs incurred for the temporary facilities resulting from the restricted site access. The CO denied the claim for two basic reasons. One, the order to suspend work due to base closure was a sovereign act of the government rather than a change. And two, the CARES Act, that's the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, was not intended to provide this type of relief for a fixed price task order. On appeal, the board held that although the base closure was a quote unquote public and sovereign act, the sovereign acts doctrine did not apply because the COVID restriction did not prevent the company from delivering the temporary facilities. Rather, the company was entitled to compensation because the company delivered and the government utilized the temporary facilities during the delay period and during the extension granted due to the COVID delay. So an interesting decision, quite focused on the specific facts here, but one that answers some questions about when and how COVID delay claims might be granted. Yuan, back to you for an update on a False Claims Act settlement. Thanks, Peter. An FCA settlement was recently announced by DOJ that stands at the intersection of two evolving trends. DOJ's increasing focus on cybersecurity lapses by contractors as part of its civil cyber fraud initiative, and DOJ policies incentivizing corporations to voluntarily self-disclose violations of federal law. On September 5th, DOJ announced its settlement with Verizon, addressing allegations that Verizon violated the FCA because certain telecom services it provided to federal agencies under its GSA contracts did not comply with applicable cyber requirements. This settlement represents the latest example of DOJ's continued focus on cyber cases, a trend that we think will only continue to escalate going forward. Now, what makes this resolution particularly interesting is the discussion in the settlement agreement and the DOJ press release about the various steps that Verizon took that entitled the company to get credit for cooperating with the government. For instance, the recitals in the settlement agreement explicitly state that Verizon received credit under DOJ guidelines that take disclosure, cooperation, and remediation into account in FCA cases, as set forth in Section 4-4.112 of the Justice Manual. So another really interesting development, and we have a full client alert on our website if you'd like to learn more. Peter? Great. Thank you so much, and thank you for joining us. This has been The Fastest Five Minutes, brought to you by Kroll & Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thanks so much for joining. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. Podcast.